Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 123, as always, I'm joined by Jordan. Greetings, Jared. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, you know, drop the ball, not uh, not appreciating you these last several episodes, and I just want to <laughs> say that uh, it is an absolute honor and pleasure to have you here with us. Uh, it's with us pleasure. being... Us being you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, Dom's not here this week. Uh, he'll be back next week. Um, like I mentioned last week, the next couple of episodes, actually the last three episodes for the year, are all pre-recorded, talking about aspects of 2018 and 2019. Um, just so we can have a nice holiday break and not have to worry about it and maybe catch up on games or other stuff that we want to get to watching or, you know, just have some free time and not have to worry about a week Reading some comics, Jared. I've been getting back to comics. Yeah, me too. Um... I'm not getting back. I read quite a bit every every week. It seems like, but that's a. I want to read some stuff that isn't like weekly pulls uh, that I want to yeah. get through. Um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. much it. Episode one twenty three. We're going to be talking about the game awards uh, at length. Obviously, those happened uh, the day before us recording this. We're recording this on Friday, December seventh. A um, lot of announcements. We're not going to go over the awards uh, necessarily, um, just because you know, go watch them, give them the view for that if you want to check out the awards. Uh, I want to talk about more so the game announcement since we're, you know, a weekly podcast talking about that stuff. Plus, we're going to have yeah. our own Game of the Year award in January and talking about that, so. Yeah, so fuck the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Screw Keely for putting on a great show. Um, yeah. yeah, so in terms of what we've been playing, I actually didn't play anything this week. The funny thing I want to talk about, uh, real quick, um, nothing towards the quality of the game. Like, it, this doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad game. It just means, I guess, my interest level with it is... Uh, so Spider-Man, once I started that game, I was hooked. I couldn't stop playing it. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, same thing. Once I started it, I couldn't stop playing it to finish it. I haven't gone back to God of War. Uh, I just haven't, not that I haven't felt the need or I'm not going to finish it by the end of the year. I definitely am. But whenever it's like, oh, I have, uh, an hour or so to spare, would I rather go back to God of War or would I rather do something else? And it's just not calling me right now. Um, which is weird, because, like, obviously it's considered one of the best games of the year and stuff, but it's the first, like, big game that I'm just not, like, getting pulled back to, which is kind of odd. Um, yeah. I think it just goes to what I said last week of, um, the game's great, I'm not speaking towards its quality, but it's way more gamey than I anticipated, and, um, mm. it just, yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, I'll definitely get back to it, I'm gonna beat it by the end of the year, uh, obviously no question about that. I just thought it was, um odd that it's the one big release that I haven't been yearning to finish. Um, and I, honestly, I think it's because I'm not in the zeitgeist of its release, more so than me, like, how I feel about playing the game. I just think, like, when Spider-Man came out, I got out of release, I was playing it, I wanted to have that conversation with people. When uh, Red Dead came out, I was really worried about spoilers, same thing with Spider-Man. With God of War, it's I've avoided spoilers so long that I'm okay with how I can avoid those spoilers, so I'm not rushing to it, you know what I mean? So yeah, dude, I it's crazy that you avoided spoilers because I uh, spoiled myself looking up. I think I mentioned this back in the day, looking up uh, kind of like a walkthrough for this certain um, puzzle that I was like, I should be able to do this right now, and then I look up the solution. It's like, oh, you need a different weapon, and I didn't have that weapon. So yeah, I've been over here spoiling myself. <laughs> Uh, just played some MTG Arena as usual. Tried out Artifact, which is the card game based on the Dota uh, 
franchise from Valve. It it takes in mobile mechanics pretty interestingly, but it just doesn't click for me. Like I've said with uh, collectible card games, for me it's a lot about the franchise, um, especially with these like online digital ones, because a lot of them, you know, these big companies are going to create games that are engaging and fun. It's just whether or not you click with the aspect of the world as well as the gameplay. Um, but when you have companies like Valve and stuff, they're going to have pretty tight gameplay. Um, so for like Gwent, actually, Gwent is funny because I like the world of The Witcher. I just don't like the card game Gwent, uh, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't click yeah, with me, which, which is I fine. I mean, it's a little bit weird. It's not like, it's not straightforward. I'll say that much. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk shit about it, but it is kind of like a little bit uh, wonky, maybe a little bit obtuse, I guess. Yeah, it's just not the style of card game I'm super interested in. Um, so that's a case of me liking the world, but not the actual card game. Um, yeah. With Artifact, I like the card game. It's really cool how they implement mobile mechanics with three different lanes. Um, but I just don't click with the franchise at all. Um, MTG Arena, I've loved Magic the Gathering since it first came out. So like that, I'm super hooked into that because I love the gameplay and the world. Elder Scrolls Legends, I love the world. The gameplay is good, but I'd rather play MTG Arena because I just like the game of Magic more. And then with Hearthstone, yeah. I'm not really connected with Blizzard. I mean, if they had, like, Overwatch-related cards in, in Hearthstone, that'd be interesting to me, but that'd break the whole world of the game because it's more, like, fantasy epic. It's more like World of Warcraft, you know, that, that route. Um, right. So, yeah, just uh, MTG Arena is kind of my go-to now in terms of collectible card game. Uh, that being yeah. said, I didn't play anything else major. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I can't say I played a whole lot either. Um... But I did get back to comics, as I mentioned earlier, and I was, like, gone for a minute. I guess I didn't, you know, really mention that because I don't know, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how I'm not reading comics. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Here's everything like I'm how, not doing, guys. <laughs> yeah, let, let me excite you on what I'm not doing. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it had been, you know, maybe maybe a month, Jared, that I had kind of, like, fallen behind on weekly stuff. And um, so, of course, I have plenty more to catch up on but i've uh kind of started with some of the more indie comics you know the image stuff idw stuff because those are um kind of easier to catch up on you know like jumping back in it's easier to go get at that stuff as opposed to like you know jumping into the marvel universe which has got a lot going on you know that's it's not like self-contained stuff you know these aren't self-contained stories that's like the big uh, that's like a big quote unquote issue or doorway into like Marvel and DC is like in order to keep right. up, you have to keep up if you want to. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's difficult. And that, what you just said leads me into what I, uh, something I wanted to mention about comics, which is uh, kind of an update on my feelings on Marvel fresh start. Um, you know, when it was beginning earlier this summer and then the first several weeks and months, I was kind of talking about how I appreciated the fact that, um, that they were kind of keeping it tame because Marvel to me always blows their load. They always have, uh, you know, they usually have at least like 30 more books going than DC does at any given time. And, um, DC's done a decent job since rebirth of keeping it pared down. They're starting to get a little heavy. Um, but it's still much more manageable if you're trying to keep up with the general status quo of the universe than Marvel, which even now in Fresh Start has gotten to the point of, of uh, kind of overinflation or just, just too, too much, you know? Like, 
Um, they are they're starting multiple new series per week. Like Killmonger and Shuri have their own uh, solo series, and they're Kill- they're they're limited though, so I'm okay with that. They're like, limited, Killmonger's five issue, so it's, I'm like that's cool. But like when you got ten limited series going at one time, you know it's still too much. Also, quick shout out um, under DC, although it's still very like indie feeling is uh, Brian Michael Bendis's Jinx World line. Uh, he signed the um, exclusive deal with DC not too long ago, finished up Jessica Jones over at Marvel, and is now um, really like the Superman dude at DC right now. But he's also doing his Jinx World stuff, and there's several co- really cool comics, um, and I've really been reading all of them because they're easy to keep up with. You know, there's only four or five. But shout out to uh, Cover, which is about a comics writer who um, ends up getting recruited to be, uh, kind of a secret agent. Um, but they want him to keep doing like comic conventions and like going out for signings because that's his cover. Um, and it has a lot of like, um, it has a lot of stuff about comics. It has a lot of kind of fourth wall ish breaking stuff where it's talking about the comics industry and making jokes about it. And, um, you know, it, it obviously has a great grip on that because Bendis has been around the industry for so long. Um, but then there's also Scarlet, which I love Scarlet, man. It's about this chick uh, who's in charge. Scarlet is, um, you know, in charge of this uh, revolution in uh, Portland. And uh, basically there was some, there was an altercation with the police, between the police and these people um, where shit just really got out of hand and she was kind of at the center of it and all of a sudden she finds herself you know in charge of this uh, cell of people that have like taken over a section of Portland Oregon and are holding up against the uh, American military and obviously there's a lot of political commentary that goes into this but there's also just cool storytelling and you know the the individual stories of the people that are in that zone uh, fighting with her um, it's a very, very well told story and very well done comic. So, um, shout out to that because I haven't really talked about those Jinx World books. But, uh, but yeah, man, comics are fucking cool. <laughs> shout out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most people think when they when they think of comics, they think of like Marvel and DC and superheroes. But there's like a comic out there for everyone. Like there's so many different genres. Yeah, man. So. There's like there's all kinds of detective with tales that talk to them comics. You know, like. <laughs> Um, let's hop in the news. So, in terms of news this week, like I said earlier, we're going to be going over all of the Game Awards announcements. There's quite a bit. Um, some updates to games we already knew about, some reveals of games we didn't know about. Um, off the bat, we didn't see Borderlands 3, which was expected, so that's odd. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge Borderlands guy, but the fan base actually got kind of upset afterwards. I think they're kind of in the same spot that Rocksteady fans are, where they're just yeah. like... It's about time. Show us something, a logo, something. Um, I think they're they're even further down that line and even more justified because at least Rocksteady's been like, you know, kind of talking to you and been like, hey, it's gonna be okay, we're good. Like at least you know Rocksteady's making the game. Yeah. Whereas fucking Gearbox is like, oh, we're gonna go fuck around with the uh, Battleborn for a while and publish remasters of uh, fucking Bulletstorm. Yeah, like. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. fan base wasn't. We were just talking. We were just talking in the chat about Randy Pitchford and how I was like, 
guys, he just got robbed for three million or whatever by his fucking fake ass assistant. And it's just another example, like I said, of him being kind of a, a friendly idiot. Like, that's nice and all. It's great that you're a, a decent guy and that you're willing to help people out. You're willing to publish Colonial Marines, even though it has no business being out. Duke Nukem, whatever. But you're not the ter- person that should be running I, the company. And you're certainly, as a Borderlands fan, not the person that I want running that franchise. Yeah, I also wouldn't go as far to say he's like a nice guy. Because from what I've heard, he's a... Uh... He's not the nicest dude. He's a bit of a, an a Yeah, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say nice, but, like, friendly. Friendly yeah, and nice are different, you know, because, yeah, yeah. like, fucking assholes can be really friendly, you know? Yeah, fr- so. friendly friendly means, like, they're they're cool with you, but they're mean to the waitress, you know? Um, sure, sure. Yeah. So let's get into these or they're they're nice to, sorry, they're nice to the waitress, but then as soon as she walks away, they're talking shit. You know? Exactly. Um the first game actually seems like a, a Jordan joint to me when it first popped Ooh. up. This was in the pre-show. This is called uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Um, it's described as a pop album video game. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, very colorful aesthetic, very neon. Yep. Um, yep. It looked really cool. Uh, they just gave the date of 2019 on Switch. Um, they didn't. I didn't catch a developer name, um, but it definitely is a rhythm game um, that's very poppy, and it seemed like a little bit synthy. Um, yeah, it just it seemed like a, a, a Jordan joint. Um, it, dude, it's funny that you say that because as soon as I turned the trailer on, I was like, this seems like something <laughs> right up my alley, baby. And it's right. like, it's a racing, seemingly arcade racer, but also rhythm game with an aesthetic that I would clearly enjoy. A lot of Japanese love and tribute going on there. So fuck yeah, Sayonara Wild Hearts. The next one that was also in the pre-show is actually the first announcement of the game from Typhoon Studios. If you don't remember that name, Typhoon Studios is the development studio that was formed by a bunch of ex-Ubisoft guys up in Canada. Um, one of the guys who worked on uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, I think he might have been like the, not the lead director, but like one of the, the lead producers on it. Um, people have been wondering what their next game was going to be because it's a team full of a lot of industry vets. And they revealed yeah. Journey to the Savage Planet. Um, so essentially it's an exploration survival game to me it feels like Subnautica meets No Man's Sky so if you're familiar with Subnautica obviously that's an exploration survival game that takes place completely under the ocean Um, so if you have a fear of water sorry about that Um, and obviously No Man's Sky is about space exploration right so this sits somewhere in the middle you work for the fourth best space exploration company uh, they make that's the whole point of the joke is like the company's so proud to be fourth best, and hey, top five, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They describe maybe there's as, only six, but they, they drop you on this planet with no equipment, and you kind of have to figure out what's going on there. I like that. I like the mystery to it as a nice aesthetic. Um, I think the biggest thing for this game is going to be what sets it apart from the No Man's Skies and the exploration survival games that are kind of like it, and the price yeah. point. I don't think this is a game that can necessarily and, survive at a sixty dollar price point at all. I would love if this launched on Game Pass, actually. I think it'd be a great Game Pass game. Nice, yeah. You know, unfortunately for anybody like this making that type of game, it's going to be, you know, like I, we, I talk about people wearing Nintendo uh, tinted glasses, red tinted glasses, rose tinted glasses or whatever a lot of times, and this is like the opposite where, you know, everyone that looks at these types of games is going to be like, well, cautious, even if, that studio's never done anything wrong just because they got fucked so hard on No Man's Sky. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing here, too, is that 
to your point, I think it's not going to carry a lot of interest because people are going to see it and immediately think of No Man's Sky, unfortunately. And I do do think this has enough uniqueness to it of the comedy aspect of it because No Man's Sky is about exploration and big worlds and going to space. This seems like it's more like mixing comedic elements with a specific planet exploration, right? In No Man's Sky, you're going to multiple planets. It's about qu uh, quantity over quality. This is the Savage Planet. The game's called Journey to the Savage Planet. Um, right. I think if they can infuse a little bit more comedy into the next trailer, I think it can sell people more. And don't do something where it's a narrator slow panning. Like, actually show gameplay of what makes it fun to play and interesting. I think that'll be cool for the game. I'm interested, though. I mean, you have a lot of industry vets, which helps it out. And I do think that this is a game that could probably thrive on Game Pass if it comes out to, you know, even middling reviews of, like, sixes and sevens. I think it could still find a life there. Um, so I guess only uh, stuff that is completely exclusive or console exclusive to Microsoft is on Game Pass then, right? Uh, no. There's, like, some Bethesda stuff on Game Pass... Uh, I guess those are the only games that debut on Games Pass. Yeah, uh, indie games, yeah, like indie games that come out first on Xbox. Yeah, usually debut on. Because uh, like, yeah, because like uh, Fallout seventy six is not going to be a Game Pass game, but maybe I mean a been, year and a half from now probably. But like, that's not, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not going to come out as a Game Pass game because it's not uh, internal Microsoft. Well, but Crackdown three, even though it's a AAA game, will still be debut on game pass and i think if game pass gets uber, i mean it's already successful but if it gets like crazy oh, yeah. successful i think microsoft would be willing to put down some money to be like hey we'll pay you up front for this and i don't think the huge studios will do it like bethesda nah, but i think nah. some mid some mid-level studios might be able to be like well i mean that's profit now you know what i mean to be able to get i on mean game pass. just cause four something like that a double a exactly you know, tier Something like that, uh, definitely Marvel Ultimate Alliance. And the numbers show, uh, like Phil Spencer was talking about, that games that have come out and launched on Game Pass actually see like tremendous sales success too. Well, yeah, because people play it for a bit and Word maybe they don't want to continue this uh, monthly subscription or they just like owning things that they really enjoy, you know, because yeah. it could get taken off tomorrow, you never know, so um, it makes sense, yeah. You also have people who would rather buy a game outright than subscribe to a service. So if they hear their friend, like, I have right. Game Pass, this game's dope, they would rather buy the game than <laughs> use Game Pass. You know what I mean? Some people are yeah. just like that. It's very interesting. Next up, uh, we have a game that's new again. So Stanley Parable. I thought this was a very funny trailer. It was, uh, you know, very um, self-deprecating. They were like, yeah. you know, thanks for all the awards. And then it obviously showed The Last of Us and Papers, Please winning all of these awards. And it's coming to console next year, uh, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. It's going to have a bunch of new content for people who have already played Stanley Parable on PC. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I like Stanley Parable. I played it on PC. The fact that it's going to have new uh, paths, new endings, new, a bunch of new content is really cool. Um, I just like Crows, Crows, Crows. I never had a chance to play the VR game that came out last year. You remember that one that was like Rick and Morty-esque with like the weird yellow guy that was like screaming at you? I forgot the name of that VR game. Um, but people loved it. It was really funny. It was really short. Um, yeah, I just, I like what Crows, Crows, Crows has done. And uh, to have Stanley Parable have some new life is great. The next one, uh, we didn't actually get too much of it. It was Among Trees. This is an indie game. It looks very, very firewatchy in terms of aesthetic. Um, definitely gave me those vibes. Very colorful. There was, we don't know what the gameplay is. I'm assuming it's uh, either uh, like a walking sim or exploration type game. Um, yeah. 
I think at most it's Firewatch in terms of like it's a walking sim with a narrative in it, um, like a you know voiceover narrative. Um, yeah, it looked cool. That's a game that I would love to see during the indie showcase for like Microsoft's E3 presentation or even an indies for Nintendo. Um, Nandies. Next up, this was one of the big surprises of the night. Uh, and we'll, I think the second part of this is the whole reason it exists in the first place. We got the announcement of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Woo! And it's a Switch exclusive. Um, and I know people weren't super thrilled with the aesthetic of the game. I think once we found out it's a Switch exclusive, that kind of made sense because they wanted to be able to run well. On top of the fact that I think that the only reason this game exists is because of Nintendo. Um, hearing... Maybe. Yeah, hearing Marvel talk about Ultimate Alliance, it didn't seem... Because that was an Activision licensed property. Earlier this year, they took one and two off of, like, online stores. Like, the licensing deal ended. So if you didn't oh. purchase one or two, they're gone forever. That's um, weird, because not that much longer before it was when they released them on the, you know, current June, like, up And that makes sense. It's Activision trying to get some money before the deal goes away. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, (laughs) I didn't know that until you just told me. So when I'm watching that trailer last night, I'm like, oh, that's why they put out the remasters. Because they wanted to get people excited for the third one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not so much. I think this is more of a Bayonetta situation where I think this is part of the... Remember I was talking about when people see Spider-Man. When when was Spider-Man first announced? Was it 2016? It was two years ago, right? 2015. Three years ago. And it was so, a, still a hashtag, yeah. So this game could have been made in three years. So I guarantee you this could have been one of those things where Nintendo's like, we want something exclusive. Uh, and they, I think Nintendo's the reason this exists. <laughs> we want something mm-hmm. exclusive. <laughs> the crazy thing is, though there's some questions about the visual, you know, fidelity of the game and visual performance, did you, did you hear who's developing this game, Jordan? I did not. Team Ninja. No shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's wild, dude. That's, That's gonna weird. Be cool. And also, it's third person, right? Yeah, it is. Yep. Like, it's not isometric. Like, the first two games are isometric. They're not third person. So, also, small um, thing, they allowed... Uh, it's not allowed, but uh, Wolverine was in the trailer, which is huge. Because now they're yeah, confident dude. again in the X-Men license. So Yeah, so, like, basically what you're referring to is the fact that the X-Men aren't in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, right? Exactly, Where, yeah. They, it's kind of like what Marvel did with canceling the Fantastic Four comic because they wanted Fox to give them the Fantastic Four movie license back. Like totally different mediums, and they're using them as like political chess IP pieces. chess pieces. Yep. And they did the same with you know Marvel versus Capcom taking the X Men out, which were like a staple for that series. So you knew that they were not fucking around, basically. Which I think the next um, time a new Marvel vs. Capcom game comes out, I think Marvel's going to have a bigger stake in that game because this last one came out, and it, it was rough, man. It was very rough, and what was it called? What was it not called? MVC4, uh, right? Exactly, yeah. Infinite. So yeah. I think that they, they already had this plan. They're like, yeah, we're going to put out this fucking stinker just so that the name can kind of live on, but like mostly just to appease the fans, probably. They probably didn't think it would be that much of a stinker. But yeah. um, they thought, you know, yeah, we'll put out this, like, kind of side thing, um, even though people don't know it's a side thing. And then MVC4 is when we actually have the real roster or whatever. So maybe that's what they're thinking with that. But besides the point, um, Ultimate Alliance, super glad that it's happening. Interesting that it's called the Black Order because that, you know, that's them, kind of like what we were talking about with the Black Panther comics. That's them Infinity cashing in War, yeah. on the... 
on the Infinity War stuff because the Black Order are the basically the lieutenants of Thanos, and um, yeah, I think that the visual I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, of course people are going to be shitting on the visuals. Yeah. Um, but I was like, no, this is perfect because first of all, yeah, it'll run on the Switch, but second of all, the thing is like. No, I don't want them. I don't want this to be the, our big budget Marvel game. Exactly. You know? yeah. Don't don't put the money into this. Put like make this a side project. Um, and then you tell me that the combat is going to be done by none other than Team Ninja, coming off of these fucking uh, Neo games. Like, whoa, dude, that's crazy. So, um, very excited about Ultimate Alliance. Didn't really play the second one, and I did get the double pack when it was on sale before they went out the store, so I'm definitely going to go back for that. Um, even talked to my brother about playing some of that, so we should do that uh, couch co-op, but um, yeah, man, I, like MVC is, is or not MVC, um, Ultimate Alliance is, I would say, my biggest and happiest surprise at the conference or show. Yeah, I, I think, too, uh, one of the big things with it is that I think the turnaround for this game um I think yeah. with them also working on Neo 2, which is supposed to come out in 2019, I think Team Ninja decided to make a sacrifice in terms of the graphics. And I don't, I agree with you. I don't think we need this to be the AAA thing. This is more of like a family co-op title, and it's okay. I, I'm fine with the graphics. I wasn't a huge, you know, I wasn't against them. People were like kind of mad. Yeah. I was like, okay. I was more stoked that the Black Order was the featured antagonist. That it's called Ultimate Alliance Three: of The Black Order because that's like, dude, like yep, the, they're cashing in on people knowing those villains. That's cool. The story scenes, I was like, damn, this is looking kind of fucking cool. As far as like, like an animated series type yeah. of vibe, you know, like not the fucking sequel to the proper sequel to Infinity War, you know, to get us ready for Avengers Four, but like, it just looks like a good old fashioned time, and I like that. I'm well, another some, uh, some superhero jaunts. Another four-player couch co-op game on Switch. Hell yeah! Um, yeah, baby. The next one isn't really an announcement; it was an update. So Rocket League wanted to announce their new partnership. Uh, the McLaren 570S is coming to Rocket League. If you're a carhead out there who loves cars, I'm pretty sure the McLaren gearhead. Yep, gearheads. Um, cool. Rocket League always has a special deal with new cars and new stuff coming. No surprise there. 52 million concurrent players still. Crazy. Hey, I'm glad that fucking car soccer game is still relevant. You know, <laughs> like, good for them. Good for Psyonix. Uh, next up, the biggest non-surprise, considering this was, like, leaked two days before the conf- uh, the Game Awards, Far Cry New Dawn. Um, yeah, man. So people anticipate to say. So people, so people anticipated this being a reskin of Far Cry 5 in the same way that Primal was. Uh, yep. It seems to be that. Uh, for me, yep. it looked like uh, partially Annihilation with the way some of the animals evolved and like the flowers and stuff with like a bit of Rage 2. Um, yeah, I, diet, diet Annihilation. Yeah. Uh, it is pretty much a reskin. They said it takes place on the same map in Hope County. Uh, the one thing I will say, uh, they announced today that it's $40. Not 60. Okay, um, that's good. I was yeah. just about to say. I was just about to say. And uh, Primal was 60. Personally, I don't think that game was worth 60. I think yeah. 40 would have been much better, even though it sold well. I think that's them learning from that. Uh, it's coming out in yeah. April. Um, the two main main antagonists for the game... First of all, there's two main antagonists, so it's a departure from usually there's one big bad guy in Far Cry right. games. And it's these two black females, so I don't know if they're sisters or like 
together. I think they're twins. You think they're twins? They I guess like yeah. Twins to me. Um, which is cool. We don't really. That's a type of antagonist you don't normally see is like a an African American female, which is cool. Um, they're pretty badass and intimidating. Like <laughs> in that trailer, they're like yeah, some fucked up shit for sure. Yeah. Because uh, you, do you forget. You can kind of forget with Far Cry being so silly that it can also be like ultra violent and like, like actually fucked up and not. And I don't mean ultra violent in the sense of like just exploding heads all over the place, but like some dark shit, you know. Yeah, and it's a series that is known for its villains and never its protagonist. You know, yeah. Far Cry Three is known for um, man, I forgot his name off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Voss and then uh, Pagan Men in Four. Yeah, I don't even remember the name of the dude in, in Far Cry 3. It's one of my favorite games ever, is Far Cry 3. His is one of those, I think, the, is that Adam Brody? One, he's yeah. like one of those really, is that him, Adam Brody? Yeah, I think so. It's like a That's super bro-ass name. Yeah, white bread, yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you wanted? You said you had something to say about uh, the game? Oh boy, oh boy. So, Ubisoft, what you doing here? What's going on? Uh, you're turning Far Cry into an annualized franchise when you just realize the error of your ways with Assassin's Creed. What are we doing here? Because, yeah, with Primal, it was still like a year and a half later. This is straight up a year after uh, 5. Well, when did when did 5 come out? 5 is earlier this year. I, do you know this? Because this is coming out in April, so it might be less than a year. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is it's <laughs> absolutely no more than a year. Yeah. Um, maybe four, 13, 14 months. Anyways, it's not a year and a half. And even Primal at a year and a half was like, whoa, guys. Because usually the main lines are two years apart. And so then when you're also adding in this other thing, it's kind of like how they had to slow down some Star Wars movies because it was just like, hey, let's let's maybe not have this going like all the fucking time, you know? Yeah. And the fact that it is uh, reskin and it is so close to um, Far Cry Five, that's probably a good thing because it sounds like they're being almost honest about the fact that it's a reskin, whereas Primal they weren't. You had to like, like people figured that out over time. But um, yeah, it does. It's also um, got the whole like trippy post-apocalyptic vibe, but not to the extent that Rage Two does now. I don't think there's any way that they could have guessed, even if they knew that Rage 2 was coming out, that it was going to be aesthetically or have such a similar vibe, but it is it is the case, it is what it is, and, and them coming out after Rage um, is being debuted at E3 of this year is, is rough for them, also because Rage, to me, looks like uh, they're going a little bit further. This seems like a little bit pedestrian as far as like the crazy, uh, trippy post-apocalypse. Like this seems like it's not not that hardcore. Whereas Rage is like, no, this is balls to the wall, like like uh, um, Mad Max on acid type of shit. Whereas uh, Far Cry is like just Far Cry on acid or something. You know, it's like you already guys you guys already do drug trips in your game, but. I just don't think it's quite as balls to the wall as uh, Rage 2, and I think that hurts it, especially with them looking almost fucking identical, and them being, you know, these first-person open-world action shooters where you're going around taking out bases and and 
beating up weirdos with customized motorcycle helmets and shit. Well, so that hurts it. But uh, yeah, I am a little bit concerned about the fact that if you look at the, since Far Cry 3, basically, which is when modern Far Cry started and where a lot of people really started playing the games, they've only been ramping up the speed of releases where at the same time Ubisoft has been going, hey, let's kind of slow down the Assassin's Creed. So it's like very contradictory. I realize that part of the reason they kept doing Assassin's Creed every year was because if people were buying them. Obviously, people are buying the Far Cry games, but... Far Cry was the best-selling like, game this year until Red Dead and uh, Black Ops came out. Absolutely. Yeah. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get oh, yeah. a reskin of Far Cry 5 out by next year, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's like, did you guys not learn your lesson four or five years ago? Did, did we not just do this? And so I feel like, you know, if I had to try to place a bet on the future, I'd say, well, they're just going to do the exact same thing that they did with Assassin's Creed. And eventually, you know, five, six, eight years down the road, they're going to, we're going to hear them come out with a press release talking about, okay, yeah, we're going to slow down the Far Cry releases. There's not going to be one this year. Next year, we'll get back to it. So who knows? I might be wrong. They might already know this whole thing in their heads and they're already planning for that. But it just with the Assassin's Creed slowing down and Far Cry ramping up, it doesn't make much sense to me. Also, so I am a little bit worried. Uh, so Rage 2 is coming out in uh, May. This is coming out way sooner than I thought. I thought this was coming out in April. This is actually coming out February 15th. So it's definitely less than a year after Far Cry 5, 100%. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of fucking crazy if you think about it. Like, I know it's a $40 game, but even Assassin's Creed, they didn't do that. You know? Like, even Assassin's Creed, they didn't go that fast with it. Um, I think, for me, I agree with you that this could be perceived as primal. To me, I'm, I'm reading this as a more robust uh, Blood Dragon. You know what I mean? Because Blood, awesome. Blood Dragon was a standalone release, but it was more like DLC. and it was. But Blood Dragon, was I think, yeah. it was $20, right? I don't think it was 40 that's the thing and then there's also the fact that like they've been doing blood dragon-esque stuff ever since blood dragon you know like far yeah. cry 5 even has like crazy vietnam veterans fighting on the moon shit type but those of aren't standalone though so that's like the big difference they're not standalone but they are it's like they've been doing other blood dragons yeah. and yeah. it's like why don't you just do blood dragon 2 instead of tying it into fucking trials or whatever where it's trials of a blood dra like they've been doing all this weird like dancing around the bush with fucking blood dragon i'm like why don't you just do far cry blood dragon 2 or far cry far cry uh blood dragon uh prairie edition <laughs> i don't know but i mean like, far cry could be its own i mean uh blood dragon go, could be its own franchise it's so right yeah it's just like i'm saying go all in you know like and that's, I think that might be it, Jared, is like, Rage 2 looks like it's going all in. Looks like it's going balls to the wall. And I just didn't feel like, well, like, this trailer was like, yeah, you got these crazy twins that are, um, you know, clearly supposed to be, like, the intimidating villain. And yeah, you got some, like, trippy flowers, trippy colored flowers and shit, but I just don't feel like you're going all in. And if that's, if you're going to do this, like... Uh, post-apocalyptic sequel to Far Cry 5 less than a year after it comes out. I need it to be Blood Dragon. I need it to be Balls to the Wall. I need fucking neon pterodactyls or whatever coming out of the sky. So I just didn't get that vibe. And so my interest level was much lower than well, 
um, any other Far Cry game would be probably. The things with those girls too is I do think they look like unique villains and interesting. The problem is I don't think they match the aesthetic of the world. Like they to me represent like a Walking Dead esque type villain. Whereas with this colorful world of like post apocalypse with colorful animals and flowers and stuff, I would want the antagonist to kind of represent that as well, right? Like them to be a very colorful, like bigger than life type personality. And these women are more intimidating and scary, so it's kind of like contradicts the world, and I guess they want that to be the thing. The other thing is people are like, I can't tell this and Rage to apart. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're both colorful post-apocalypse, but they clearly look different. Like They do look different, yeah. Like Rage looks a lot more visually appealing to me, personally. Same. So. Yeah. Next up, this is an announcement that I assumed you would be excited for. We finally got the announcement of Supergiant's new game, Hades. Obviously, Supergiant are the guys behind Bastion, Transistor, uh, Yeah, Jay, that's the important point. Pyre as well, right? That's the important point. Yeah, Pyre, I, I need to get back and play Pyre. That's their most recent game where it's like a mix between a visual novel and a sports game. It's really, it's really cool. But uh, the important part here, Jared, is Hades but from all, uh, you know, everything I could gather on that trailer. Hades is a spiritual successor to transistor transistor and almost like spirits as direct a spiritual successor could be it looks like a direct sequel to transistor as far as gameplay goes was, and that has me over the fucking moon because i love transistor obviously transistor is isometric was transistor uh roguelike because this seems like a roguelike because you know it's, you go out with your character you fight a bunch of people he yeah, dies and he's a I rebirth think, that was the only major difference I could tell okay. when he goes, oh, time to die again. I was like, oh, that's that's how they're making it different. Yeah. Visually appealing as always. Supergiant hasn't made a bad game. Uh, Bastion solid, Transistor solid. I've only played Bastion. I haven't played Pyre Transistor, but obviously hearing from you and Dom and other people, Supergiant just makes quality games. Um, oh, yeah. And Hades, cool logo, really dope logo, really cool character design. Um I was confused as to whether or not you were Hades yourself because the dad character looked like he was Zeus. You know? I think the dad is Hades. I thought the dad was Zeus. But Zeus doesn't have, like, evil red eyes in the but Cerberus. He was like... the Cerberus. The Cerberus was sitting behind him, by the way. Oh, or at okay. least, like, like, giant dog heads might not Somebody be said the name Zeus, so maybe you're hunting Zeus. I just remember hearing the name Zeus. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Here I misheard. Who knows? Anyways, look forward to that super giant dope. It's actually an early access right now on the Epic Store, which we'll talk That's about. That's what I was going to ask weeks. you about. So, like the the Epic Store is a whole new thing. So, are they doing like exclusive releases that that would make them like PC exclusives? I guess I don't know. Uh, no. So, Super Giant is going to come to PlayStation, but Epic Gotta be, yeah. Epic launched the Epic Store to be a direct competitor to Steam and offering. We're going to get into this in the future. I don't want to harp on it too much here because we have a lot to go through. Uh, it's basically the competitor to Steam that gives game developers more money uh, on the back end in terms of whenever they sell a game. And also, if you actually use Unreal Engine um, and you sell on their marketplace, you don't have to worry about the 5% for using their engine. So like, if That you... is huge. Dude. Yeah. And it's basically people, it comes at the same time where people are getting fed up with Steam, and Steam actually made a recent thing where if you sell over a million copies, they take less money from you. So it's like AAA developers don't leave our platform, but indie developers, we're still going to, you know, take as much as we can. Gouge you. Yeah. yeah. 
a lot of a lot of uh, issues with the indie it's market. Kinda, that's sound, yeah, that's kind of uh, tone deaf. This is a great this is a great thing that happened with the success of Fortnite though, giving Epic the ability to and the confidence in the back end in terms of money to do something like this. Uh, next up, Ancestors. So this is from Panache Digital Games. Uh, they're also former UB guys. This game's coming on 2019. It's an open world exploration survival game that centers around uh, evolution. So you go from like the like ancient apes uh, in Africa, like eight million years ago, all the way up to Lucy, uh, which is who's the most famous Cro-Magnum. So uh, looks interesting. It obviously looks a little uh, uh, not sketchy. What's the word I'm looking for? Like rough. Like um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, the game looks a little rough, like it's not necessarily in low perfect budge. running. No, not necessarily low budge, like alpha gameplay, like very. Oh yeah, like it's it's early on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they plan to release in 2019, so I'm assuming early access. I doubt this game will fully release in 2019. It's a very interesting concept. Um, I like the idea of it. I just don't know how it's going to pan out. I think it's going to be a game that is going to have a lot of innovation in terms of the systems and mechanics it has in it. But in terms of actual gameplay, smoothness, visual fidelity, uh, engagement, I don't think it's going to hit those marks. You know what I mean? I think it'll do more for innovation in the industry than it will do for consumer critical success, if that makes sense. We'll see, though. Right. Uh, next up, this is from Midwinter, uh, Scavengers. This was an interesting thing. This is a game that could potentially flop uh, if it comes to consoles, in my opinion. So it's a... They call it a co-ompetition survival game. Uh, it's a shooter. Co-ompetition? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, co-op and competition. <laughs> Their phrase it sounds online. like co-ompetition. Womp. Um, so they basically said the slogan is work together to survive, compete to win. So I'm assuming you have to work with other groups of people in order to uh, gain maybe like firewood or like food and stuff like that. And then once you know resources start dwindling that's when you can make the choice to like kill off people um honestly i'm kind of joking making fun of the term that they use there which is a stupid fucking term but it's a cool concept it's a cool idea yeah i just think scavengers is a very uh vanilla name um and i think aesthetically it didn't look too unique either it just looked like honestly when it first showed itself i thought it was another battle royale game um speaking of names I'll, I'll have something coming up here later in the show, a little tease. Uh, so, yeah, Scavengers. Uh, I don't want to, you know, dismiss Midwinter's game. I'm just saying I don't, I'm don't. i not super confident in it, but like you said, I'm interested in this co-ompetition uh, type of gameplay. Oh, uh, next up, Dead by Daylight, still chugging along. You know, Friday the 13th, they're having all their issues with the IP and lawsuits and all that. But yeah, Dead, by that sucks. Dead by Daylight is still chugging along. Uh, they're gonna have dedicated servers in spring of 2019. Uh, there's a new expansion coming with a new killer, the Legion. If you, I don't know if you saw the mask. Is that from the Strangers or what movie is that from? Like an homage to? Did you see the mask of the talking killer? About the, the, you s- talking about the one that's like a white and it looks like stuff's drawn on it. It has like two like like straight line eyes and then like yeah straight line mouth kind of. I think that they're just playing off of that aesthetic, which has become very popular, especially since The Strangers came out. Yeah, well, I, it's not. I don't think it's officially licensed. Some of their killers are. I was right. just wondering if you thought it was also influenced by that, because that's what I thought. Oh, it was definitely. like The Strangers. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like that whole um, 
that whole vibe you see that a lot in the purge uh, as well uh, purge movies yes thank yeah. you I don't know if that's what you're going for, but you thinking of something I was like, oh yeah, Purge too. I wonder if that's what. No, you're that's exactly. I was I was like, how can I not remember the name of the Purge? You know, I just. But yeah. Um. Next up, people have seen gameplay for Anthem. People are wondering, you know, Bioware is good at delivering stories. What's the story of Anthem? Um. They had a story trailer, which I actually really liked. It showcased a lot of the characters. It's funny they made a point to show that their facial animations were actually good. They, like, zoomed in on the characters that were talking. Um, we got the villain reveal. He was he was narrating the entire time, and we didn't find that out to the end. Um, in terms of the reveal of the villain, it wasn't anything creative or new. It's like, you're the hero, you're down on your knees, and you're hearing this whole explanation from the bad guy. It's been done before, Destiny, a bunch of other games. Um, I thought the villain design was dope. Like, his gold and black uh, suit was super cool mm. with his cape. You have a bad guy cape. Right. He's hundred percent cooler. Shout out to Boxbeak, um, though he's technically Bronze <laughs> Fang isn't technically a bad guy, but he still looks cool with the cape. Uh, yeah, I think they did a good job showcasing Anthem. They had the orchestra performance, which was super dope. Shout out to the Game Awards in general for all of those performances. Um, I think the Red Dead one and the Anthem one were the strongest. Uh, I'm not counting the ga- the Game of the Year one at the end. I think the weakest one is probably Devil May Cry Five. Um, I just don't think, like, at the beginning, that male vocalist wasn't... I don't know if he just wasn't a very good singer or something. That one just didn't sit with me too <laughs> I well. don't know if he's just, like, shitty or what. <laughs> Girl killed it. Um, but, yeah, and, man, the rock, the, the rock steady, uh, rock steady, rock star Red Dead Redemption 2 orchestra performance was great with that whole band and, oh, so good. Um. It's a good way to do it, man. Honestly, like, why were you not doing that since the start, you know? Exactly. But I'm glad they're doing it now. Uh, they they they've dabbled with it, but I think this year Jeff Keighley heard from people like, no, those are some of our favorite parts of the show. Yeah, when they started, I think it was last year, right? When they did Odyssey, Persona, yep. Horizon, like that. That they nailed oh, that. It Before started. They were kind of yeah. They were having like churches play or. 2016 or was the Dead big Mouse. year. 2016 was the year when the Doom uh, performance happened. Yeah, and that That's one was when like everything the stage. changed. Um, yeah, I think they did a good job in general listening to feedback. Uh, yep. Next up, we had uh, a huge announcement. It wasn't Jack X Combat Racing, unfortunately. Aww. But we did get a remaster of Crash Team Racing. Hell uh, yeah. Money. I'll take it. <laughs> Crash Team Racing. Probably, actually, let's be honest, even though uh, Jack X is the greatest video game ever made, could never be touched. Crash <laughs> might be a little bit better. Uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Refueled is what it's called. Um, coming out June 21st, 2019. The trailer was weird uh, at the end of it because it only showed uh, PS4 on the logo and then it had the PS4 marketing thing at the end. So it was weird that they also just had the PS4 logo. People were like, is this going to be a year-long exclusive like the Crash games? Or yeah, I was going to say that's how it was. Uh, it's not. It's coming to Switch, Xbox One, day and date. All the same. So they didn't get the exclusive <laughs> on this. Um, so PlayStation just paid extra to have the bumpers, basically. Exactly. Uh, which people weren't sure if it was just that or if it was the exclusivity as well. Um, but really cool, they had the guy in the Crash costume out there. They had a crate, uh, which was cool, and they had the cup. Uh, Jeff Keighley lifted up the, the cup from the game. Um, I wonder if, because Mario Kart is so popular, do you think they'll ever bring back Diddy Kong Racing? No, right? Because that's too competing. It's, like, too close. Yeah, and that's just not how Nintendo rolls. You know, yeah. they're not doing... Uh... 
uh, like Dude. remakes of their old games. But I was just thinking, since you mentioned Jack X, like why are we not getting more combat racing games? Dude, why? I would pay money for a Pokemon Kart racer. Oh my god, Damn, that'd be cool. That would be but so. But then cool. it's like people are gonna be like. Oh, I want more racers in here, but they have like a thousand Pokemon, so they could never actually put them all in there. You know, like I think it'd be obviously cool they... there'd be a there'd be like you know the top one hundred that everybody wants to see Pikachu or whatever. But yeah, it'd just be so cute, man. It'd just be so, such a good time. Hell yeah, um, yeah. And then instead of like having actual power ups, you just uh, have like cooldowns on your actual moves. Yeah. So like Pikachu can uh, I just said Pika Pika Pikachu. <laughs> Pika Pika Pikachu can do, you know, uh, can shock somebody as he's going by, or or uh, Blastoise can um, blast somebody with water. That'd be cool. Quite a bit of things to go through still. Uh, Obsidian's new game was announced. This was actually one of the most anticipated things for the Game Awards. Um, obviously, Obsidian, the makers of Fallout New Vegas, South Park Stick of Truth. Uh, they were recently acquired by Xbox, but this was a publishing deal they had beforehand with Private Division, who's Activision's um indie a publisher the outer worlds um the name i'm not super excited about it. it's whatever There's, there you go uh, well this isn't actually the example i was talking about but it is a name where i'm like why is why do you have a the yeah why is this not called outer worlds honestly that i don't know be if, a licensing thing maybe i but. don't know if, if the outer worlds might sound more generic if they took away the the, uh, the? the that might sound more gen- I don't know it's either way I just don't it's an okay name I don't think it's bad I don't think it's good it's whatever that being yeah. said I think the gameplay looks super cool it's exactly what I expected um it's like the aesthetic is very No Man's Sky meets Fallout um with a dash of like Bioshock in terms of like that classic vintage look um the whole play here is that um companies have basically advertised and marketed this new planet that you landed on so it's like you know corporate runs it um, they made a joke in the trailer about choice. There's these two people arguing, and uh, the guy decides to you shoot one of the people in the conversation. The girl's like, you didn't have to shoot Love either it. of them. You know that, right? Um, yeah, which, that's like fourth wall breaking. Like, hey, here's how the game works, but also just doing a good joke out of it. I loved that moment. I think a lot of the um, – I think they're in-engine cutscenes, but they obviously are pre-rendered, like the stuff with the old guy. I think that stuff looks fantastic. The thing that gets me excited, Jordan, is when Obsidian was announced to be purchased by Microsoft, the one thing I said is they're finally going to have a crazy budget, right, to finally make the game they want to make. You saw the budget they had with Fallout New Vegas. They killed it. You saw the budget they had with Stick of Truth. They killed it. This private division, I doubt Activision is giving them the money Microsoft's going to give them. This gets me excited for what their first project with Microsoft is. I'm excited for this game, too. This might make it into my most anticipated. It's coming out next year in 2019. Um, it'd be interesting to see in the future if this stays if this stays a private division IP or if they're just publishing it and if the sequel would be Microsoft's game, how that's going to play out or if Microsoft just wants a new IP. Yeah, um, definitely. If so, then you might see Obsidian making a non-exclusive game, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, if, if well, no, still, not exclusive. It would be on PC still. If this still. game makes it... Well, but... I'm they... just saying, like, if uh, this game does really well, and Obsidian's like, hey, we want to do a sequel to that game, but we can't make it exclusive. Like, we have to... We're, we're going to have to put it on PS4. I don't think they'd be allowed to, because they're owned by Microsoft now, so it'd be Microsoft's decision to work with Private Eye on that. 
yeah, I, I just think that it could get, like, this is kind of far-flung, but, like, what if it got so popular that Microsoft's like, dude, we don't even care if it's not exclusive. We just need a sequel to that game, you know? Yeah, I don't... I think if they purchased them to have exclusive games, so it'd be tough for me to see that, but it is a possibility. Um, yeah. The one thing I want to say, too, is there was a Satya Nadell interview this uh, past couple of weeks, and he basically said, we're giving these new studios, like, a blank check in terms of budget. Jeez. He basically said like they God. want they want Game Pass and like they want to be the people uh, and the service that people go to for video games, and yeah. he said that's why we're being so aggressive is because we want these creators to be able to make games that people want to play, and we want people to play yeah. games on our place. And he's like, yeah, we're basically giving them a blank check, wink, wink. So it sounds like they're they're going to be encouraging these studios to kind of upgrade because some of these guys are more double A like uh, Ninja Theory or. Um, starts with a C, the guys that made We Happy Few, right? Uh, compulsion. Conun it's compulsion, not conundrum. I don't know if I don't um, know if Evolve, but I think don't worry about the budget. I think just whatever game you want to make, go for it. Um, because we see a lot yeah. of times the biggest issue with games having issues when they release is budget and time. And I think Microsoft is like, we're going to give you the budget, whatever you want to make, make it. Whatever, you know, bar you want to reach, don't, don't worry about it. Um, which is exciting for uh, Ninja Theory as well, because imagine them with the budget. Um, next up, we had Dauntless announce a new winter expansion, console release in April 2019. That's the Mon Monster Hunter-esque uh, with Sea of Thieves type aesthetic. Um, we're running long here, so I'm gonna, the ones that aren't as important, we're just going to roll through and we're, we're going to talk a little sure, bit about the ones that actually sure. do. Um, this is the one I want to talk about real quick. The Last Campfire. This is a game that was announced. It's by Hello Games, the people behind No Man's Sky, but they're calling it a Hello Games short, which I think is them making an indie game while they're still continuing yep. to support No Man's Sky. This well, looks beautiful. Well, also saying, hey, it's a short, like, that's, like, yeah. expectations they're setting, you know. This, it looks like uh, the the camera angle reminds me of Moss, the breakout uh, VR title, hmm. and the characters look like chibi Journey characters. Um, looks very cool. I love the music choice. Killer. Um... I'm really interested to see what the price point is here, and I, I, I want, this is the type of game that might launch in Game Pass, because remember Hello Games, you know, No Man's Sky is on Xbox now, they're not a plate, they're not Sony, I mean, they might actually have burned that bridge with Sony because of the whole way that whole, that whole thing played out, um, yeah. Sony might not want to work with them again, and they might not want to work with Sony again, it might just be something that, uh, not that they wouldn't publish it on Sony, don't get me wrong, but exclusivity, um, sure. next up, Something exciting, PUBG's new snow map. Uh, it's on the test server now on PC. The big update is that the snow actually, you'll leave footprints in the snow, which is huge in terms of strategy because that can give away your positioning, right? If you're in this open uh, world and you come down to the final circle and you see these footsteps lead up to this area, you're like, oh, somebody might be hiding there. So it actually changes a lot of the gameplay dynamic that you can see people's footprints in the snow. Um, nice. It's going to be interesting if there's weather effects where if you're on a map and it's actually snowing in that um, session, if it'll cover your footsteps over X amount of minutes. That'd be pretty cool. We'll see how that plays yeah. out. Yeah. Um, Atlas, this was weird. This was the high fantasy game from the Ark Survival Evolved guys. Those games yeah. have never really gotten me. They're like, I understand, like, I think they're huge with kids and they're very janky, um, but people yeah. love that jank. Um, love that jank, boy comes out in early access december 13th xbox game preview in 2019 um that's one thing that's weird and i want to talk about it when we talk about playstation 5 and stuff is 
PlayStation doesn't have like an early game service. You know what I mean? I want to see if they come out with their their own version of uh, game preview or early access because they don't have that, which is mm-hmm. weird. Um, yeah, that does seem a little bit uh, against their philosophy. Like they don't seem they seem like the people that would kind of turn their nose up at that. You know? Yeah, I'm just saying like. That if, I if, think it sh- it should happen. Yeah. If you're claiming you're for the gamer, I mean that's a whatever. That's a whole another. I agree. Yeah, you know how PlayStation is. They love cutting themselves off to potential revenue streams. Have their head so far up their own ass. Yeah, so. man. Oh, speaking of <laughs> weird transition, real quick. I think I mentioned at the top. Did I mention having all three of them on stage at the beginning of the show? No. I mean. It's if you're looking at it from a real macro perspective, it's cool that that's a thing because you know, especially Sony it's a special and Nintendo moment. have, have yeah. bad blood. It's good that that's like clearly the the Nintendo PlayStation things from when uh, Sony was originally supposed to be making the PlayStation as a Nintendo peripheral and then got screwed. It looks like that has been put behind them, but I don't necessarily think we needed this to happen to feel that way. Like I feel like everybody plays decently nicely already, so um, it did. It to me, I was just like, uh, for me, for me, like these guys are probably not going to have beers afterwards. They might, but I'm just like, it, it does feel a little bit plastic, a little too plastic for me. I, I understand. I do think it was a huge moment for Keeley to get that set up, though. Like, sure. To have hey, that great for Keeley. Yeah. Great for Keeley. Yeah, that's like, I, if I knew him personally, I'd be like, dude, how'd you do that? That's so cool. But yeah. from, like, a uh, gamer's perspective, I'm like, yeah, this isn't, like, getting me, you know, all tingly inside or anything. The thing I will say is you definitely got a hint to each of their personalities. Like, with those three upstage, I think still, uh, I know people are going to call me a fanboy, but I think Phil Spencer is still the most relatable, like, down-to-earth dude. I think oh yeah. I think Reggie is somewhere in the middle. He definitely yeah, sometimes shoot. comes off as like weird. And Sean Layden is definitely like a little too buttoned up. Like he was like very Oh like, god. Yeah. Sean Layden is like <laughs> that guy that like <laughs> you could see it at a dinner party with an ascot on and like his pinky up holding his his wine glass talking about well actually what Shakespeare was trying to say it's like oh gosh, I don't know if I'd if I'd want to share alcohol with you, you know, like he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's like you, that you want to shoot the shit with, like you would with Phil Spencer, possibly. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing: like, if there's a movie about you, like your parents getting divorced and your mom has a new boyfriend, you'd you'd be cool with Phil Spencer. Absolutely, you would hate Reggie Fizeme. Reggie Fizeme is like neutral because it's like he's not. He's probably not going to be beating my mom or anything, but he's probably not also going to be like. Hey, dude, let me show you this cool new band yeah. I found. You know, Reggie Fizeme is very neutral, but like Sean Layden, it's like, uh, do I want my mom dating this guy? He's like, oh, you have a kid? Gross. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, how dirty. He's like, got to wipe up after you touch anything in the house. <laughs> yeah, like Sean Layden takes takes your family to like weird art museums. Reggie Fizeme takes him to like a llama <laughs> farm, and Phil Spencer takes you to the movies to watch Wreck It Ralph too. You know. <laughs> We're doing fan fiction right now, Jared. Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> we have uh, two major things to talk about before we close up, so we'll get through those. Oh, First boy. off, oh, uh, Dragon Age 4 was teased. Um, this is huge. They already kind of prefaced by saying don't expect this game for a while, but I do think they wanted to let people know with 
you know the failure of Mass Effect Andromeda commercially. They wanted people to know that they're not betting everything on Anthem and they're still committed to the stuff. And I think that was something huge with Casey Hudson when he came back. He's like, we need to let our fans know we're still Bioware and we're still doing Dragon Age. Um, for people yeah. who aren't super into Dragon Age, I don't think the tease does much for people. I, I understand that. It didn't do much for me. But are you super into Dragon Age? I know I, you're I, into it. I, I, haven't, I, like I didn't play two. Okay. I didn't play two. But I, I know a little bit about the lore. I've, uh, you know, read uh, some of, like, the stuff outside of the material that's in the game. I would say, like, that was some pretty deep shit. You know, like, that's, like, some, like, uh, like a deep cut. Yeah. So, it was it, it ended with, uh, didn't even end with the title, just ended with hashtag the Dreadwolf Rises, which yeah. is... Um, a shout out to Solus, who is the a-hole elf from Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, the last piece of DLC in Inquisition, I don't want to spoil it for people, has a lot to do with Solus, and this trailer kind of feeds into him as a character. He's a hated character, Jordan. He's like people. He's an a-hole. Um, yeah. There's also Red Lyrium uh, running through the um, like the monument statue thing in the trailer. Uh, people think right. that that's going to tie up a lot of loose threads in Dragon Age Two. Um, some story things with Red Lyrium and that kind of stuff. Um, for deep, deep Dragon Age fans, it got them excited. I do wish we got a title, but then again, I think this is a good enough tease that you know it's Dragon Age because when I think about the Metroid Prime 4 reveal, we got a, all we got was the title, and we're still sitting here with no gameplay. Whereas with Dragon Age, if we had a title and then nothing, I'm cool with it just like a, a tease because we know the game's far away. We know it's Dragon Age 4 or whatever, so... Yeah, it was fine. It wasn't a great reveal, but I'm glad it happened, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I feel like that's the wrong way to go. And I also think it was the wrong way to go with Anthem, but I'll get there in a minute, obviously. Well, we already talked about I Anthem, feel like, so we're not going to get back to it. So if you want to talk about that real quick. What, when did we talk about Anthem? I mentioned the story trailer. It was all about story, and then they revealed the villain. I talked about the cape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Sorry, I didn't even realize. Um, Anthem, real quick. This is the trailer that I originally needed to see to get me excited for Anthem. Yeah. The fact that this is like the third trailer. Sure, I'm glad that you you do have a real story in there. Sure, I'm glad that um, that you're not abandoning me as a more traditional Bioware fan. But this is what I should have seen originally because it has everything that you need to get someone excited for the game. It has a little bit of story, but it also has the suits flying out. What do they call them? Uh, Par- not paragons. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. What the fuck ever. The exosuits, the javelins. Javelins, yeah. Javelins, you see them flying out. Like, it has a little bit of the whole world. It has the lore. It has the characters. It has kind of the action with the suits. This, would I think, is the perfect way to debut Anthem. And obviously... Uh, when they did debut Anthem, I wasn't thrilled about it. Um, you know, them uh, flying off in their Iron Man suit, they dunk down in the water, then they jump back out, hop in with their friends, do a little firefight. I think that's what you do right after you reveal it. Like, the second thing you do, you know, where it's like, okay, you've seen that the game exists, now let's actually show you a teensy bit of gameplay. Um, but hey, who am I? I'm just the one that's been... Um, tearing EA a new asshole about the way that they've marketed and availed games for years now. 
and I think that they're continuing to um, fumble the ball a little bit. It's not nearly as bad as it has been in, in the recent past um, with maybe like Battlefront or um, some of the other Star Wars games or Mass Effect Andromeda, but it's still like uh, Dragon Age. Maybe they're, they're looking at Dragon Age where it's like, listen, um, this is going to be a more niche thing than Mass Effect or than Anthem, which... I feel like it sells pretty well. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have. Oh, I, I don't read facts. that at all. I don't read that at all. I feel like they were just playing way too hard to the hardcore Dragon Age fan, where it's like I feel like it would have been cooler to just like what's to say? Oh well, I guess if you didn't catch the Bioware logo, Jared, and you're not a huge Dragon Age fan, how would you know that it was Dragon Age? Because you know you'd search I mean? the hashtag, the Dreadwolf Live. Exactly, you should never have to like go to a second place yeah, but to if figure you're, out what that was. But if you're not really especially the game if for... it's an established franchise that you're just like teasing and trying to get back into people's minds, like most people didn't take that second step if they didn't understand what it was and didn't catch the but Bioware that's, logo. Yeah, but that's fine because what you don't want to do also is you reveal a game two years early and then have people for two years say, "You you showed us the logo and you announced this game way too early." I think it was just our way of trying to hit the middle ground. To your point well, with... I mean, people are still going to be bugging the piss out of them whether they, you know, show the font that they're going to be using or not. Like, yeah, but this tease... The game. I think this tease was for the fans of Dragon Age. This wasn't for everyone. Right. And in my personal opinion, I don't think that that was the way to go. Just like I don't think it was the way to go with Anthem or the last four ga- giant AAA games that they've released or haven't released, unfortunately, with Amy Hennig's game. So, um, yeah, I just feel like... To me, looking at this whole thing from a more uh, bird's eye view perspective with the way EA is marketing their stuff and specifically their Bioware stuff, they don't—they just don't necessarily know how to do it. Where that is, that hasn't necessarily been the, the thing in the past. You know, I think I love like the marketing the for Anthem. Mass, I, I disagree with I you think, on that. I think the original Mass Effect trilogy really nailed their marketing. They had strong campaigns. They You knew what they were trying to say. With it. Even if you weren't really into the games, I think they were so fucking strong. Even that Mass Effect 3 stuff, with it's like um, really focusing on Earth and humanity. Um, I just don't feel like they're nailing it, and um, I get that you disagree. I just hear, the way I hear people talking about Anthem, um, listening to all the video game podcasts that I do, People are still kind of shakier than they should be at this point, I feel. I feel like people should be more slick. I get that, you know, because of the recent past is why they're a little bit scared. But in a lot of ways, I think it's also because EA's not necessarily showing them why they should be so fucking hype on Anthem. You're a giant Bioware fan. I'm a pretty decent, like, sized Bioware fan or whatever you want to call it. So we're going to be checking this shit out but people that aren't i don't think are necessarily being drawn in the way that they should or could be well i don't think they're trying to draw in bioware fans unfortunately i think anthem is being made for the destiny type audience and i think that's well that's what i just said is we are already drawn in because we are bioware fans and they're failing the people that aren't bioware fans so if they're not trying to draw if they're trying to draw in people outside the bioware fan base I'm saying they're failing at drawing people in outside oh. the Bioware fan base, and so if that's their main goal, that sucks even worse. I think it's the opposite, personally. Um, and that's why they led with gameplay, is because I think they want people to know that this is like a shooter game where you're killing stuff and you're getting you're looting monsters and all that stuff. 
Um, I think now that Casey Hudson came back, he he's the one who's trying to get back Bioware fans and people who actually care about like the the story driven narrative RPGs. I think this trailer was a big reason. He was a big reason this trailer got made. I think if he was at sure. Bioware earlier, I think this would have been one of the lead trailers. I just think that they're they're not going for the hardcore Bioware audience with this game, though they'd like them to play so, it. I think they're going for the more casual Destiny games as a service division type players. It sounds like that last part you just said is EA's uh, mission, whereas yeah. the pointing exactly. towards Bioware fan, not fan, you know what I mean, not yeah. fanboys, but like hardcore fans, is Casey Hudson's mission. And I wish, like you just said, maybe if we had had Casey Hudson here the whole time, which we fucking should have because they clearly can't like operate properly without him necessarily, Bioware at least. I think the best uh, thing for Bioware is him being back. Marketing the whole time. Yeah, I think him being back is the biggest thing for Bioware to move in oh, the right direction. Oh, absolutely, man. I would love if Microsoft just bought out Bioware from EA. Just, like, give, a, give us Bioware. I mean, I wouldn't because I want to see those games on PlayStation. Um, and not even a, not even selfishly. Like, you know I could oh, just yeah, pick yeah. up my Xbox controller and turn on my Xbox. But, like, I think it's better for, you know, gamers and the industry as a whole my, that, that we get those games on the PlayStation. The only reason I say that is... The only way Bioware leaves EA is if EA shuts them down, or if they get out, uh, they get purchased by somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would never go independent. I wouldn't so want like, play. I wouldn't th- want them to be PlayStation exclusives either. You know, yeah, or Switch yeah. exclusives either. I want, I want everybody to get to enjoy those. The, but yeah, that would be dude. Bioware unshackled from EA, Jared. You just blew my mind. Holy fuck! Why do we? Why is that a thing? Not why being a fanboy. Studio just being, being chained to this horrible demon of a company. And it's not just being like an Xbox guy. It's that out of those three companies, the only one who's actively pursuing studios is Xbox. So that's why I brought them up. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, there was a story. We need to get through this because we're going really long. There was a story that Xbox is in negotiations with a, mid, a mid-level a mid studio that's traditionally known for being partnered with PlayStation. People think it's um, super massive, which would be really interesting. Hmm. That's like a, a story. The guy who broke like all of the studios for E3... Same thing. He said they're in active discussions with a mid-level developer who's known for working with Sony. People yeah, think I'm it's either to, like scroll through who else it could be. Uh, Insomniac's not mid-level. Uh, people think it's either Blue Hole or uh, Supermassive. Blue Hole could be yeah. Supermassive makes went to Supermassive makes sense because uh, they have that horror anthology which would fit on Game Pass. Jared, you're forgetting one. Ready at Dawn. Yeah, interesting. I, they make a lot of. Aren't they making a lot of VR stuff now though? Not that it would change them I mean, getting purchased. Sure, I'm but... just saying they, you know, the Order 1886 for all its flaws is something that I'm sure is essentially like Rise, Son of Rome. You know, like yeah. that's um, some like Microsoft could work with that studio. Microsoft could definitely do something. I was also thinking about uh, the Sleeping Dog Studio, but unfortunately they're closed. But that would be man, if they were still around, that would be such. That would be like in this realm of those studios that Microsoft could scoop up and do something great with. Uh, let's get through some of these. We're running very... i got to get going. Uh, the Pathless, which is from the creators of Abzu, uh, who's giant squid. It looks like it's movement-based. The aesthetic is a mixture of rhyme and fey. That's coming out 2019. Uh, Survived By, which is a roguelike multiplayer game. Um, looks very Castle Crashers, uh, tower folly. It's free to play. It's on Steam Early Access. Uh, MTG Arena, they announced an esports initiative for Magic the Gathering, $10 million in prize money next year, which is huge. 
they announced a the Duffer Brothers came out and announced a 16-bit Stranger Things 3 the game uh, game by Bonus XP. It's like a beat they are really trying to make that uh, a multimedia franchise. I'll just say that they're, well, they're tell- really pushing that. Telltale was working on a Stranger Things game before. Yeah, they got a yeah. comic out now. Um, I want to save Mortal Kombat 11 for the last couple announcements because I think I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Psychonauts 2 2019 doesn't do anything for me personally. I've never been a Psychonauts guy. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if Psychonauts 2 did anything for you. It was just never. Nah. Uh, Fortnite Season 7, they announced the block, which got rid of Risky Rails, and it's this new area in the game that's going to showcase user-generated content because they're releasing this new creation mm-hmm. thing for Fortnite where you can create stuff. So there's going to be a zone in Fortnite where they're going to showcase user-created areas, which is really cool. I think it's a great way to bond with your community. As much as I don't like Fortnite in terms of like a game, everything they're doing for their community is awesome. Um, they announced Xbox Winter of Arcade games, so there's going to be nine games in Winter of Arcade. Four of them are coming to Game Pass. So you had Mutant Year Zero, uh, the strategy game with the anthropomorphic animals. That came out last week. I have that downloaded. Can't wait to play it. Uh, the Night of the Game Awards, Ashen, Shadow Dropped, have that downloaded. That's the uh, Dark Souls uh, indie game. Um, You're on Game Pass, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I have like two years stacked up or something. Well, two years at the beginning of this year, so it's like a year left. Um, Below comes out next week, finally. Cappy said the next time we'd hear from them, the game would be close to release. We heard from them. It's coming out next week. Coming to Game Pass. And uh, Kingdom 2 Crowns, which is the third game in the Kingdom series, very cool, very interesting games. I played the second one. I didn't play the first one. Um, you're on a on a horizontal uh, playing like side scrolling. Yeah, side scrolling, and it's about you gathering resources and building your kingdom. Very unique. Um, there's a bunch of other yeah. games on there that aren't on Game Pass, but are in winner of arcade. There's a Hello Neighbor tie-in, a couple of other things. Jared, some other random time when we have a little bit more time, if you remember on another episode to bring up kingdom the kingdom series i have a very funny story okay uh i'll remember um cool mortal kombat 11 was announced by ed boon during the sports uh racing game genre award announcement which is funny uh came out of nowhere people have been wondering there was a cycle with the mortal kombat and uh, injustice games where they would be revealed uh the week before e3 every other year that didn't happen this year it turns out because mortal kombat 11 had a longer dev cycle obviously duh um, but it's coming out April 23rd, 2019. It's still hitting their cadence of releases. They just waited a little bit longer for the reveal. The community reveal, which is going to showcase the game modes and a bunch of other stuff, is happening on January 17th. Um, I really enjoyed this trailer, even though I really can't stand 21 Savage. I think he sounds so weird. Just, just He sounds like a little six-year-old or something the way he like whispers into the microphone I, I won't go too far into that but regardless i think they played off of the music really well and um are we're obviously you know i was talking about how i think bioware is fumbling the ball as far as speaking to their audience but i mean you could tell i knew when watching this i'm like there's some mortal Kombat boys that are flipping the fuck out watching this shit you know what i mean so i really appreciated it uh, yeah, they showed off this uh, punished Raiden kind of character that was rumored. Uh, the other big rumor is that it's pro- uh, that it might f- uh, feature a game mode similar to Shaolin Monks, which is like the 3D exploration action adventure Mortal Kombat game that came out. Um, mm. There's a rumor that that's like a game mode in it, and that's why it took a little, little bit longer to develop. Uh, really cool trailer was dope. 
Um, uh, I'm hit or miss with 21 Savage. I think it worked well in this trailer, but... Right, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't like him, but I was like, sure. I, I The beat was the good part, right? Like, yeah. Like, it was cool that... And they were kind of, like, playing off of his lyrics, but, like, I wish it had been a voice that didn't make me want to push a screwdriver through my uh, eyeballs. Also, the other cool thing was uh, they changed the slogan from Who's Next to Your Next, which is a subtle change, but really cool. Um, yeah. And lastly, Joker was revealed for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate... Uh, obviously Joker from Persona 5. Um, he's the first DLC character. This isn't like... Obviously this is huge news. Don't get me wrong. Like a Persona character being in, in Smash is awesome. The more interesting thing to me is the interview that happened afterwards with Reggie. Where he said, This mm. gives you a hint of what we're doing with our DLC characters. We're going for characters you wouldn't even imagine in Smash. Or characters that have never been in it. And to me that means third party partners. That's what I read from that. So... You know, Persona 5 is a PlayStation-exclusive game. Uh, so this does give me hope that we could see Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and this also it gives me hope me for Goku. you best get ready. Buckle your your Master Chief-sized seatbelt because he's coming. It's, yeah, I, I think we're going to see an Xbox character, and I, I think we could see Goku, too. It wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. yeah. Now, you haven't mentioned what I think is most important, Jared. I... A lot of people don't think this way. It's funny that more people aren't aren't thinking this way. I really believe that that uh, this is like the non-confirmation confirmation that Persona Five, Scarlet, or whatever they want to call it, will be on Switch. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I because I think yeah, Persona Five is a PlayStation exclusive. Persona Four was a PlayStation exclusive, um, but. That doesn't necessarily mean that Persona 4 Golden would have had to be PlayStation exclusive or um, that P5 Scarlet or Crimson will be exclusive. I think that, that that this really opens up that possibility. Or even a Persona collection would be dope too. That'd be cool. Yeah, and also you got to realize, like, of all the games that could run on the Switch, that's basically a PS3 game, so it could fucking <laughs> run on the Switch. Exactly. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 123. Like I said, the next three episodes are pre-recorded. So it doesn't really matter where we're going to be playing because you're not going to hear for us from for a little l- less than a month. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Dom will be in the episodes and so will Jordan. So you get to hear from all three of us the rest of the year. Um, what we have coming up, we're going to be talking about um, our most anticipated games for 2019. We're going to be going over our predictions that we had this year, what we got wrong, what we got right, as well as our predictions for next year. And oh, That'll be fun. Uh, what was the other, the other episode we are doing? I'm trying to remember. Me and you talked about... Oh, I just had a bunch of questions uh, for you about 2019, right? Me and you talked about that. Yeah. 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 So look forward to that as well. We're going to be also be talking about uh, Game of the Year early next year. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening this whole year. Can't wait to do another one. I want to give a shout out to Jordan and Dom for still doing this podcast with me. We're going to hey, about to be going to on... You. Jared, we're, we're, we're so glad to have you here, Jared. I just want <laughs> you to know it's, it's an absolute honor. We're going to be going on year three? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Couldn't picture another two people to do a podcast with uh, unless Aww. you call Phil Spencer. I'd love to do a podcast with him. So, Yeah, get this Jordan <laughs> asshole out of here. Phil just called me. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys in the new year in terms of a uh, new live podcast. Bye, guys.